Teamwork, guys. More teamwork. They're burying us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old-time hockey? Piss on old-time hockey! You're blowing it! And now, between the stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast, here's Art and Caleb. Whoa, baby, we got a huge show. A huge between the stammers for this week. It's Wednesday, June 26th. Art Aronson alongside Caleb Kirby, of course. In this uh, week's Between the Stammers, we're taking a look at the NHL draft that just happened. Qualifying offers extended and not extended for the Canucks. The schedule was released. Roberto Luongo retires. Lots of rumors. Tyler Mer- Tyler Myers and Tyson Berry. NHL changing its replay rules. And, uh, of course, uh, the NHL Hockey Hall of Fame uh, inductees for this year. Who got inducted? Who didn't? Who got snubbed? Uh, where do you want to start, Kerb? You want to start with the NHL draft? That's probably the biggest thing that happened since our last Between the Stammers, right? Fucking rates, doggy. Let's hop hop in there. Okay, so the Canucks drafted with the 10th overall pick, a Russian forward, Vasily Podkolzin. Did I say that Russian enough? I think you did. Nice. Now do a shot of vodka. <laughs> if I did, if, if there was vodka here, I'd probably spill it and also shotgun it because that's what I do here. On between the stammers, so uh, what do you think of what do you think of it, dude? I'm pumped about this. You didn't you didn't watch the draft? I'm, did I'm, you? No, <laughs> <laughs> I was actually at a wedding, but um, no, like I'm I'm honestly really really pumped about this. This was a guy who I didn't think we really had much of a chance at getting um, at the beginning of the year. People had him ranked like as high as like third, yeah. After uh, Hughes and Capo, um, I think he fell a little bit. And we talked about this last week with Faber just because of like. Not only where he was playing in Russia, but he played on those three different teams and people are having a hard time kind of maybe gauging his play against like full grown men and stuff. But when you watch him, when you watch him play, like when you watch highlights of this guy, this guy looks like he has everything that you want. Like I, I wanted a guy who would be like a power forward type of player, you know, and, it would, you know, I, I was saying I, I wanted Boldy, but like I can't believe this guy fell into our laps at 10. I think this is unreal. Yeah, I think right away things were going to be a little bit different when the Blackhawks kind of went off the board and took Kirby Dosh, even though he was a top ten, he was a top ten pick. But uh, everybody thought they were going to go Alex Turcotte. Yeah, and then right, Steve Eiserman was just like, I don't know, maybe he ate a bunch of German sausage or something like that. But then he went completely off the board with with the Red Wings pick Maurice too. Maurice Sider, who yeah. I think he was predicted to be a second round I pick. couldn't believe that, but he likes his size and everything else and then after that it was kind of a free for all and and it's it's again one of those instances like last year when like we nobody thought we were going to get Quinn Hughes. Nope. He fell into our laps. Pod Colson this year falls into our laps. Man, like the Canucks are getting some really good picks in these drafts that like I don't know, maybe if they're higher up they would would have overthought this. You wanted Matthew Baldy, who went at 12 to the Minnesota Wild. Yeah. Are you okay with getting the Russian over? 100%. Him? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think you, I didn't think we were going to get him. Yeah. Like, I thought we would have a chance at 10 to get Baldy. Yeah. You know, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm more than down with another Colson. team that went off the board, the Oilers at eight, taking Philip Broberg at defense. Yeah. Uh, well, that he was, was kind of rated high. He was rated he high. He's the second highest rated. There was D-man. rumors. There yeah. was rumors that the Canucks would go after him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm I'm so beyond fine with this. And I wanted a forward. I know a lot of people out there in Canucks land were looking for a D man. I totally wanted a forward that we could plug into this top six. Like, and I think Pod Colson and their second rounder are going to be able to do this and advance 
like our scoring woes that we've had for so many years. Brian Burke uh, was really high on him when I was watching the draft. He's like, this kid's ready to play right now. Yeah. And ready to go. But he's got to play in the cave for two more seasons. Yeah. That's probably why maybe some teams stayed away from him, right? Yeah. I'm still okay with it, right? Like, I'm still okay with this guy playing out that contract and then coming here and, and playing here. And I think, I think like, Hoaglander, I'm, like, high on right now. Right. Like, I'm, like, drunk on Hoaglander. So, and, 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 like, he looks like a guy who could come in and play right now, too. Okay, we'll get to Hoaglander in a second here. But uh, Judd Brackett, the Canucks uh, drafting guru, so to speak, his quotes on Pod Colson. His value at 10 was too much to pass up. He hits on so many things that we're looking for in terms of his compete level, his size and determination to go with skill. We're talking top six power forward ability, a guy that gets in the corners down low in front of the net and can drag defenders with him, plays heavy and hard, and not just an offensive player. On the Russian junior team, he played penalty kill as well, took in-zone draws late in the game. So, yeah, obviously, uh, Judd Brackett liked this guy a lot. Those are comments that he made to uh, 1040 Team Radio there in Vancouver. Yeah, man, I'm pumped. Like, Canucks, for those two first-round picks... Like, that's an A in my book. Okay, so the second day of the NHL draft, yes, the Canucks went and got Swedish, the Swedish winger at number 40, Nils Hoglander, originally projected to go 18 to 30. So right? a big surprise that he fell this far. Dude, this guy's foot speed is amazing. And it's not just, like, full-on skating. It's, like, shifting back and forward on players. It's, like, starts and stops, starts and stops. There is some... Um, video of him just at the Canucks like camp just this week and he was dancing around defenders like he was working on Josh Tevez with a puck for a little bit and he was just like crossing over stopping coming back and it's it just reminded me of like when Duncan Keith was young like that type of edge work like that type of skating and it was beautiful and then everybody on Twitter today saw that like top shed top shed backhander that he put over, I, I don't even know who it was in net for the Canucks. I think it was just a developmental goalie. But, like, he was so in tight, and he was just backhanded up at, like, full speed. This I'm, guy's shifty. I'm so pumped on this guy. He's shifty. Yeah. And he's got, like, a great fucking name. Seriously. Yeah. Hoglander? Yeah. How awesome is his name? I know. We keep getting <laughs> players with awesome names, too. Right? I think I like that most about him because I don't know too much about him except for I, everything I'm seeing on yeah. Twitter and all these uh, – did you uh, see any of the workouts? Like, this guy tested in the top 10 at the NHL Combine in fitness. Yeah. Right? And a lot of people are talking about fitness, fitness, fitness. And, yeah, fitness is awesome, but, like, you still got to be an amazing player. Mm-hmm. Right? To me, he looks like an amazing player. But then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check out some of these workouts. And, like, the core workouts he does where he's, like, his back feet are um, on, like, a TheraBand, like, exercise ball. And he's coming around his body with one leg fully, like, over the top in, like, a full, like, press, like, push-up. Coming down, bringing his whole, like, entire waist down, almost touching the ground, bringing it back up and going the other way. Like, that's, like, superhuman shit. You know? Apparently, he unicycles and juggles, too. Like, we're getting a lot more of these unicycle juggling players. I, I think this is fantastic. And, and I'm so pumped on these two guys. Okay. So... Yes, getting Hoglander and getting Paul Cozen there in the first round. Like, I think most Canuck fans are very happy about that. But the second day of the draft was overshadowed by the big trade that the Canucks made with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. It was. It was what everybody was talking about. Yeah. Uh, so the Canucks, of course, acquired JT Miller, a forward from 
the Tampa Bay Lightning. In exchange, the Canucks traded away their third-round pick in that same draft yeah. the Canucks just had, a conditional 2020 first-round pick, and also goaltender Merrick Mazanik. Well, that no, he was the third-round pick. Merrick Mazanik was the third-round pick that they had picked, and then they traded their first round. Um, oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm okay with this because it's kind of like now the money's on the table to make the playoffs, right? Like, this this sounds like next year they're going to make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs next year, it sounds like Benning has a very, very high chance of losing his job with playing with this specific trade. Um, I'm okay with that. You're okay with giving up a conditional first-round pick. For JT Miller, who is a very consistent player and does a lot of things well, and every time I've ever watched a hockey game with JT Miller in it, I notice him. Yes. I think JT Miller is a difference maker on any team. Like, I really do. He got moved down the lineup a little bit in Tampa. He was outstanding in every game I ever watched him in a Rangers uniform. I'm okay with the JT Miller pick specifically. Maybe we gave up a little too much for him depending on what we see with this first-round pick next year. Maybe the Canucks go out and make a huge splash and get a first-round pick in next season anyways. It puts a lot of pressure right? on next season, yeah. Caleb Kirby. Uh, here's Canucks general manager Jim Benning explaining his pick or his trade for JT Miller. You know, he's still a he's 26-year-old player. He's had 50 points in the league. He's, I think he's going to be a good fit for us. You know, I, like, I don't know where he plays yet, either with Bo or with Petey, but, you know, I think he's a good complimentary guy for Petey and Bess. So, you know, he, he's, he's a good skater. He can get in on the forecheck. Um, he's got enough size and strength. He can come up with pucks, and he's got good hands, smart. So, you know, I, I just felt like it was, you know, he's a top six player for us that can help out with the development uh, of those other guys. Yeah, like he's he's on a good contract. We got him for four more years at, you know, a good number. Um, so, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, we had to, to move a pick in this year's draft, a third round pick. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to help with the development of our kids and help them get to, to where they need to be. And it's going to improve our team for next season. What about the what about the conditional? Is that a stiff price to pay in this package? Well, if you know, if we if we don't make the playoffs next year, we're protected. Um, it's we have lottery protection, and if we do make the playoffs, like it just speeds up the process of you know where we're at, kind of in our rebuild, and pushes it you know a little bit further ahead for us. He did not seem to uh, mind giving up the uh, conditional draft pick, as you just heard there. He also sounds like he just ate, like, five burgers. Like, he's breathing <laughs> heavy in that Probably one. Probably did. I um, mean, that guy's gained a lot of weight since he became he, the GM of the here's, here, here's my take on this. And, and, I mean, you can agree with it. You can disagree with it. Whatever. Um, first, like, a first-round pick. The Canucks now are at a place where they have one of the best systems in the NHL like minor league where they have a lot of picks, a lot of guys who are playing really well there. You mean a lot of prospects in yes. the system. You yes. don't mean Utica. I don't mean Utica's system. Utica's system has had its its problems, and they've been highlighted throughout the season. But now as far as picks are concerned, there's a lot of players who are playing in college, uh, overseas, in Utica, who are very appealing to a lot of other players. 
And then we have some developed players, NHL-ready players that perhaps, you know, going into next year, some of these guys accelerate and move up, we can uh, trade away for that first-round pick. We have Our cupboards are pretty full now. Like, I, I have a lot of uh, confidence in, in some of these guys coming up. I mean, even look at Tyler Madden, like, the way that that's, that guy's developed, nobody saw this coming, except for, I guess, the Canucks amateur scouting. So you're saying that you're okay with Canucks giving up the draft pick because the cupboards are so full? I'm not saying not only because the cupboards are so full. I'm saying because it's conditional. They got JT Miller who's going to help this team out completely. I think you have to weigh it all together. You can't just give one reason, right? And, and if the Canucks really want a first-round pick next year, they have enough to trade, in my opinion, that they can go out there and get one. If everything goes to shit, the Canucks don't make the playoffs next year, and they don't make the playoffs the year after, this will look really bad. Yes. Right. It will. Yeah. But that's... Uh, it just, you know, it we're, seems, we're hovering sh- around the playoffs for quite a yeah. while, even just True. this last year, right? And, and we, we should be better. And and we've been talking on this podcast, all of, especially the last half of this season, about addition by subtraction. Getting some of these older players who aren't getting the job done the fuck out of here yeah. and getting some of these younger guys in and ready to play. And I feel like we have a lot in the cupboards who can either step up or take those roles or we can move out or even guys who are playing at a top-end level right now. Like, I mean, nobody wants to hear this, right? But a guy like Bo, Bo Horvat, right? Like, he is a lofty trade piece. I think a lot of teams would be like, yes, I'd take a guy like Bo Horvat for a first-round pick all day long. And if the Canucks have guys who are moving up center in the pipeline, because we're kind of stuffed at center right now, who who knows what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. I think Canuck fans don't like this trade a lot. A good portion of Canucks fans don't like this trade because of the perception that Benning got fleeced, as in he gave up too much for a guy to a team that is cap strapped, like is up against the cap, is forced to make a trade here, and you paid full, full price and more. Well, you took on his contract, right? Which was enough. Like you look at. And I agree with this. Like, where's weaponizing weaponizing the cap here, right? We've talked about that. I agree with this on that end, where it's like Tampa Bay is the wounded dog in this trade, right? They're the people who are, uh, like, at the cap, and they need to dump something. And when you have that leverage, you can give up a little less, right? You would think. You would think. Yeah. And And I agree with that. But what I'm saying is that where the Canucks are right now, I think they're they're okay making this deal because they look at everything they have and go, okay, like, if we really want to go after a first-round pick next year, we can make a trade. Okay. Okay, there's that. And that's a that's something that I don't know. Can he make a trade like that? Has Jim Benning shown you anything in his chops that he can make a trade like that? I don't that? think Jim Benning's the guy who's going to be making that trade. Yes. I mean, so if, That's if, another if, reason why well, it pisses if, off. If it goes to shit... Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's done, I, in my opinion. He's probably done. Yeah. Right? Like, if it goes to that big a shit, they're banking on making the playoffs. And that's kind of why I like this move. Because it is, like, all your chips in at this point. Yeah. You know, last year they were so scared to even mention playoffs. They danced around it. In every interview they were talking about, oh, yeah, yeah, we're just going to do our best. It's a developmental year. We're going to try. We're going to try. They got pretty fucking close until the wheels fell off the bus. And I know close counts for nothing, at the end of well, the day. Well, they jumped up 10 points in the standings. Yeah, but this year, they are going all in, 
And if they don't make it, and if this doesn't pan out, then this new guy, whoever they decide to sign, is probably going to be the guy who's going to be looking to acquire that first-round pick or something along those lines. I'm okay with this. It's kind of like Benning's last stand, and if it pays off, it pays off huge. Are you – Is he's, he's going to put – he's going to go into the fire, you know, dragging his feet here on JT Miller. And that's why that's why I think a lot of fans are like, this, this seems – it just seems – you're betting everything yeah, on JT Miller. You even, you even said this to me. Yeah, yeah it, was in a my, text it was my first knee jerk reaction because yeah. I was still processing it, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. But, like, you know, I think of JT Miller as a player and I'm like, he's a pretty fucking good player. Okay. Well, if you, you look know? at his stats, they're not jump off the. Jump off the page. It doesn't, but the stats right? don't matter in a game, right? Like, if he's doing all the things right in that game True. and he can finish, he's got like a, a stupidly high shooting percentage. Yeah. And he was playing lower in that Tampa Bay lineup than where he was playing in New York. He's going to – I think he has to score 30 goals. He has to. He could, to. though. If he's playing with guys like Petey and Bess, he could score 30 goals. Well, I mean, he he's was playing exactly, with Steve Stamkos, and he only had 10 goals. Yeah, but he wasn't playing with Steven 20, Stamkos you know, as high for, his, goals. for as, many, as many games as he would be playing with uh, like guys like Petey and Bess. Okay. I think he's exactly what that line needs. Yeah. Right? And we'll, not, yeah. we'll have to wait and see, obviously. Yeah. But, like, yeah. he's – I think people are shitting on JT Miller because they don't know the name as 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 much as they as they would like. I mean, nobody's seen him that much in the West unless you're a diehard hockey fan that watches, you know, Eastern games all the time because he's played for the Rangers and 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 Tampa Bay, right? Right. Like here's a guy who has scored over 50 points once. He is still young. I'm going to give him that. Uh it just seems to me like you can't He's on a good deal. Yeah, 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 good deal. 5.2 million. Yeah. Against the cap for the next 4 years. And if you look at other players comparable to him, guys like Evander Kane comes to mind is like the same kind of comparable, right? And yeah. people would like that if it didn't, you know, if he's not it's Evander Kane. It's cuz it's a bigger name though. Yeah, it's like a bigger even name. people would even like Evander Kane. Yeah. Who is the guy who just got this stupid contract in Philadelphia? Like the, the $7 oh, million yeah, dollar Hayes, contract. Hayes, Hayes, Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes. JT yeah. Miller's a better player than Kevin Hayes. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Is he? Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Okay. I don't know about that. Uh, I, I, uh, when you, how about PK Subban, who had a worse contract? I guess that's it, though, right? It's right? cachet of name, it, and his contract is way worse. Yeah. His contract is pretty bad, but like they, they got, they gave him up for, like they they got pennies back. Yeah, from him. but they had the money to take him. Right, right. That's Jersey having the money to take him and taking that off Nashville's hands because Nashville wants to go after another guy. Yeah, I think that's like PK Subban's contract's nine million. Like, and uh, there was this weird statistic. It was like there's only one person in the NHL ever to be traded with a contract over nine million, and that's PK Subban, and it's been twice. Yeah, right. Like that's. That's a completely different situation. When you're paying that much, you know, that's half of uh, – um, that's mo- almost more than double what JT Miller's making. That's mm-hmm. a lot of fucking money. Um, I'm not saying you're turning me around on this trade. I do think swinging for the fences with JT Miller is a little – I'm nervous about that. Yeah, but – I'm very nervous about that. You you know, Art. You yeah. know that the pieces are in place here. JT Miller isn't like the home run bat. We already have the home run bat. Mm-hmm. He's an insular player who is a lot better than some of these other guys that they tried to use mm-hmm. over the last season. He's better than Josh Levo, right? Yeah. People can argue that he's not, but they're completely wrong. Yeah. 
You know, he has shown more in these last few seasons than a guy like Tanner Pearson, who I'm, I'm re- I really like Tanner Pearson. And I thought Tanner Pearson finished this season insanely strong. Another, right? yeah, okay. And another and then, thing, yeah, okay. The, the Canucks are still banking on guys like Goldobin, who hasn't proven anything. And then Sven Barchi is a, a fantastic player, but he has all the injuries to him. And who knows what's going to happen there. That's why I think Benning made this deal, because he's just like, I have too many variables in what I have right now, and I need one more solid guy to put into this top six that I can depend on. Yeah. And if you can do that and keep your guys in your bottom six who still have scoring potential, you know, whether that's Barchi, whether that's Vertanen, you know, uh, who like the Canucks up front to me right now look pretty darn strong. We do know this, though. The Canucks will not have a first-round pick next year. Uh, in a draft that's supposed to be one of the deepest in the history of the NHL. Unless somebody comes in there and makes it a big splash with some good trades. Yeah. Which could still happen. Could it? I you just, don't think it could? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Things like that just don't seem to happen for the Canucks. <laughs> they just don't. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You know? Like. Yeah. It's, it's going to be funny. Like, I mean, like the trade Tanev talk is just not going to go away. Right, all year. He's not worth anything, guys. And yeah, he's not. He's not. Right. He's always hurt. Yeah. Like and like I. I told you this today too. Like before we were having lunch, I was like, man, in the pit of my stomach, I feel like like they might move a guy like Vertanen. Just because like he's one of the few guys who has like that. He's young. He has like crazy value. You look at his numbers too. Like you look at a guy like Tom Wilson who had a coming-out party two years ago on the Washington Capitals. Big guy, big body, power forward, guy you want on your team now. It took, like, Tom Wilson, I think, six years on the Capitals to kind of figure it out. And, like, his numbers when he started are very similar to Jake's. And I just look at that, and it just scares me that, like, we're going to give up on this guy too soon. I thought maybe what was going to happen was the Canucks were going to make a trade during the draft for a defenseman. And Jim Benning has said in the presser post, post-draft that they're going to get a defenseman in free agency. It's going to happen. Everybody thinks it's going to be Tyler Myers. That, that, ran, that, ran, <laughs> that ran over Twitter for the past week, and it's, it hasn't been pretty. Uh, here's, let's, let's first listen to Jim Benning a little bit about the draft and about what happened with trades and defensemen at the draft. Um, not really. You know, we've had, we had lots of conversations, and... Like I said, I think the the prices were just too high to to give up to to add a D man right of, now. Of all the players you picked today, not one was a defenseman. Was yeah. that by design, or is that just the way this well, draft? Well, it's out? kind of Judd can talk to that more, but it's just kind of how the draft fell. Um, I know Niels Hoaglander. I love this guy. Like he's he's hard on the puck. He's uh, he's got good skill. He's fast. Um, so I think we got a, a steal there in the second round taking him. Um, and, you know, we, we have Rafferty, Tevis, and uh, uh, Elliot that, you know, we signed as, as uh, free agents. We got some guys that we had before, Chatfield, uh, Breezeball, you know. So we got some depth, I feel like, on the back end. And so, you know, if there was a defenseman we really liked along the way, we would have taken him. But kind of as it fell, we, we took the best players when we picked, and it, it, it kind of turned out to be for forwards today. How, how important is, is cap space? 
Jim Benning there talking about just about everything around the draft there. But uh, there was no defenseman picked by the Canucks during the draft. Did that bother you? No, because we got two last year. Yeah. Right? And we got two guys who were going to come into this. Well, we got one who already came into this league. Was it a difference maker immediately? And then we got Wu. And then we still have Yu Levy who will make the jump. Like, I'm 100% certain that he's going to be able to make this jump. Okay. Let's move on because there was also a lot of fire after the Canucks announced who they were qualifying and who they weren't. So these are um, contracts offered uh, to these players. So obviously Brock Besser was qualified. Reed Boucher, Nikolai Goldobin, Josh Levo, Tyler Mott, Francis Perron, who the Canucks acquired in a trade, uh, Brogan Rafferty, Josh Tevez uh, acquired. Uh, not getting qualifying offers. Brandon Gauntz, who we knew already wasn't going to. Marcus Granlin, Caleb Kirby's favorite. <laughs> ben Hutton, Jan Pavel Laplante, and Derek Pouliot. Yeah. Who we announced a close second favorite. Who, who we, we announced a long time ago on this show wasn't going to get a qualifying offer. And they're like, oh, no, we might. It's like, no, you're not. You're not going to qualify Pouliot. Like, his season was abysmal. Okay, let's uh, let's start with the players, uh, the, the big the big news. Ben Hutton not getting a qualifying offer there. What do you, what do you think goes into this decision? He made $2.2 million, I believe. 2.8. Yeah, 2.8. Yeah. Uh, last year and was in for a pretty big raise. Yeah, I mean that's right? that's salary arbitration yeah. and letting him go um, without going to arbitration. The Canucks still have a chance to sign him and probably sign him for a lot less if this goes to an independent arbiter and the guy looks at his season last year and how many minutes he logged and everything else and plus the money he's already made. Ben Hutton could be commanding, you know, like four or five million dollars. And I don't think the Canucks want to go there with Ben Hutton. He's 26 years old. He's kind of shown us what he can do by this point. I like Ben Hutton. I think he's... He had a hell of a year last year I think he's a pretty good player, but I think when the Canucks originally brought him in, they thought he was going to have a little more offense to his game, and he hasn't really shown that, right? And... Uh, you're okay with this, then? They still well, they still have a chance to get him, and if they don't get him, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. You just this didn't... one, This one, to me, hurts the most as far as players that we could potentially lose but he's expendable right and if he's gonna cost his team too much money moving forward then i'm good with it here's a guy who logged the second most minutes among canucks defensemen this year had 20 points uh in 69 games ben hutton after a year where he was not good he came back with a vengeance and was was one of our best defensemen last year and but you know what how much is that saying? I exactly, guess, right? and you and you yeah. and you have to question the motivation for him to come back and bring his value up. We criticized Edler on this podcast for the exact same reason. We're like, oh, okay, well, you know what? He had a really good last year because it was a contract year, yeah. right? Ben Hutton last year it was a contract year for him too. Yeah. He had to buck up and prove. And well, he, he was going to be out he, of the NHL. Yeah, he had to buck up, eat his carrots, go train with Claude Giroux, and prove that he was like, you know, a, a, an NHL caliber defenseman. He was able to go and do that, you know, but if this is going to command the Canucks more money and then he gets a new contract, rests on his laurels for another season or whatever, then what are they to do? Like comparing him to Troy Stetcher, who's been a steady Eddie, always worked, always done the things that have been asking him, who would you rather have? Obviously Stetcher. Yeah. But I know, I think Hutton's a pretty popular player in the dressing room and this kind of, this is just another side of it that I'm looking at, that... 
here's a kid who worked really hard to make himself a good NHL player, and then what kind of what kind of message does this send to other players? I don't think it sends a bad message at all to, so? to other players so? because it talks about you know if you're gonna be here, you got to work hard all the time, and they can always hold that over Ben. Like they can always say like. We overpaid you because you came in hot and then you had two bad seasons. Granted, he was playing with good Branson for a good part of that. But, like, there was rumblings that he was out. He wasn't, uh, you know, staying on top of his fitness regime and all these other things because of, you know, what he was given when he first came into the league. Now, the Canucks knew this was coming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because he was going to be – he was his contract was up here. Do you think – Maybe they could have foreseen this coming in the future and maybe traded this guy for something. I feel anything. Like, I feel like it was a backup plan to re signing Edler, right? Because, yeah. like, holding on to Hutton up until this point, if they were unable to get Edler, they're like, okay, well, at least we can go with Hutton and keep this left handed side somewhat intact, mm-hmm. right? Um, now that they have Edler again, like, you expect, and I think the Canucks fully that expect you to make that That kind of contradicts what you said about having lots of people in the cupboard for defensemen, right? No, I didn't talk about in the cupboard defensive-wise. I said oh, we have said lots of... you said you had Roger, Tevez and... We, we have lots of guys and, in the cupboard fully, but, like, I don't know how NHL-ready Brogan Rafferty and Josh Tevez are, Okay, you know? And I don't... I'm not the guy who thinks that those guys can be traded for first-round draft picks no, next no, no, season. No, not at all. Yeah. I, I'm saying the Canucks have a lot of prospects in the cupboard, like, that do have some value to them, and I think they could either look at those guys jumping up into the NHL and, and trade away a proven piece. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Okay. And I, I still think guys like Rafferty and Tevez probably both have a good chance to make this team. Do I think they're going to make it out of camp? Probably not. Yeah. You know, maybe Rafferty most, more so than Tevez. Brisewa maybe has a chance. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Oh, but, let's, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, it's a it, it's an interesting one with Hutton, and, it and is. like, yeah, I honestly don't think I would have wanted to go into arbitration with him as well because of what he could potentially command. Yeah, right. And then, like, what if he does suck? Then you got to trade him, and he's got a bad contract. Yeah, this is a damned if you don't, damned if you do kind of. Kind it's of yeah, it's like it's spot. it's really not an easy move. But I mean, like, if he was to come back to the Canucks on an equal or maybe slightly more term. Yeah, I'd, I'd take him. I like, I like three mil, I lo- like three three million a year. I like Ben Hutton. Yeah, you know, I I do. I like him. It's just like, but you can't pay him four million. No, you can't pay him that much. Yeah, and then like the other guys, like Gaunt's, I'm fine with. You know, Jan Pavel Laplante kind of like just played in Utica and was kind of hurt. I think a lot of the time, Marcus Granlund. A lot of people are surprised he lasted as long as he did I was. on this team, right? <laughs> I, was, yeah. I, I like Granlin's game, and I think Granlin will go somewhere else in the NHL and be a plug-and-play fourth-liner. I think that's fine, and I think he's going to be a journeyman NHLer probably for the rest of his career or right. the rest or the rest of, of how he wants to, right? Like, when we brought Granlin in, a lot of people thought he'd be, like, in that range of having Emerson, Edom, and Lyndon Vay, who came to this team for a cup of coffee, Granlin actually panned out a lot better and played to his value on this team the entire time he was here. So what and did the Canucks and give it's up? Totally Granlin. fine to lose him. There's a deal with the Flames. I can't yeah. remember what it was. It was a pick. It was a draft yeah. pick. It was. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he he was totally serviceable on this team for what four seasons? I think four or five seasons. Yeah. Like that's that's fine. You know, that's that's value on a for, team, for what so. you have for a guy. Yeah, but like on a team that was totally improving. Okay. He was he was a he was like a, a patchwork 
to a hole in the boat. Yeah. Right. And he and he 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 played here and he was fine and now he's run his course and it's okay to lose him. Okay. Uh, the players that were qualified, were you surprised Nikolai Goldobin got a qualifying? Option? No, because I, I like he still has such top end skill and he's still so young that I think the Canucks really want this guy to pan out. Even know? after everything that he went through last season with Travis Green and yeah. the talk in the media and everything, the scratches and the up and down the lineup. I think this decision specifically, it like on this sheet, was probably more up to Green than anybody else. Yeah. Like I think Green looked at this guy and says, "No, let's give him another shot because there might be something here, and if we give up on him too quickly, then you know we could lose out." Right. Um. And then yeah, every other player I'm fine with either. Josh Levo, Tyler Mott, I think it's great. Yeah. Josh Levo and Tyler Mott both earned a spot. Yeah. They did. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so... Uh, Brock Besser's a no-brainer. Reed Boucher's an AHL special. He'll play on Utica. Yeah. Right? And then the other three, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that made quite a, quite a few waves. Uh, you know, people people wanted to... Bi- I mean, Canucks Twitter loves bitching. It just... Uh, and that was that was number one. Uh, on yeah, its, but I mean, uh, like... Oh, this week. Canucks Twitter is also divided, and there's a lot of people on there who, who are very smart and always make, like, very good points... And then there are some other people who just need your reactive things. But that's kind of what Twitter is as a whole. It doesn't matter if it's politics, sports, you know, uh, religion. There's always, like, <laughs> a knee-jerk reaction to if a, a piece of news is announced, right? People love being on a side. Oh, I'm on this side. Oh, I'm on this side. You know, and then usually, like, some of the better news kind of comes from the person on the fence who takes, you know, a day to mull it over. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in... You know, seeing how it works out too, but that's not. Oh, well, you're Captain for. Hindsight. That's no, yeah, I'm Captain Hindsight. Hundred percent, I'm Captain Hindsight. I've always been Captain. Well, hindsight. when you're Captain Hindsight, you're never wrong because you have the benefit of hindsight. That's why I told you I'm never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay, so the Canucks schedule was released this week too, and this this looks like it's a much nicer schedule than last year's yeah. schedule. So uh, going over some of the uh, the points on it. Just one six-game road trip. There was a few last year. Yeah. Uh, only once will they return home from a trip to face a rested team. That happened 11 times last year. The Canucks will be at home to face a tired team 11 times. Excuse me. You all right, bud? Yeah. <laughs> Slimer? <laughs> Do you need a Heimlich? I might. Actually? No. I'm oh, okay. okay. I'm okay. That would be a between the stammers first. That would have been a between the stammers first. <laughs> That'd been a first for any podcast, maybe. Um, okay, so the month of December is the time we're going to go see a hockey game. It because always is. let's be honest, twelve of fifteen games at Rogers Arena. Yeah, in December. Fucking right. That's awesome. I love that a lot. Let's go see two. Yeah, let's go see a couple. Yeah. Uh, all three of uh, oh, we're going to have our Monday morning or we're going to have our Sunday or our morning games again. Uh, the Rangers, New York Islanders, New Jersey Devils. Yeah, those we got a lot of those games. on the road, which I'm yeah. I'm actually kind of pumped on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we got six of the Canucks games in the Eastern Time Zone starting at 11 a.m. or earlier. Ooh, that's nice. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, this just seems nicer because you remember last year in the at the start, like how brutal was the schedule well, to start any, last anytime year? Anytime the Canucks went on the road to the Eastern Seaboard, they got the fucking absolutely schlacked. It's the reason why we missed the playoffs last year. It was like, you know, you go to the Eastern Seaboard, you get on a six-game losing streak or whatever, and then they come back home and they actually play decent. 
right? We had a 10-point jump in the standings of where we were next year on a like just a meat grinder of a schedule. One of the worst schedules probably in Canucks history. Remember the start? I remember right? the start. The first, like how many, like there was a couple of home games, but like 17 games. It's, yeah. It felt like a, almost a 20-game road trip to start the season. Yeah, and then we had the World Junior Championships in Vancouver, which didn't help anything as far yep. as the Canucks having to remain on the road, right? But like I think this year is is quite a bit better of a schedule for him, and I think you know we're going to see a marked improvement again on how they play this year, barring the wheels don't fall off the bus in some unforeseen way. Well, injuries are always in there, right? Well, that's why we're going to get some of these jabronis the fuck out the door, right? Yeah. It's all if it's not one player, it's the other player. Well, let's hope let's hope it's just let's hope it's no player, and if it is any of the players, it's the same players that we know. And punt them. Okay. Uh, before we get into uh, Roberto Luongo retiring, which affects the Canucks here and the Caps face, sakes. let's talk about Tyler Myers. Like, the, this rumor, it engulfed Canucks Twitter this week. This engulfed all Canucks news, man. This yeah. was like a five-alarm fire to a lot of he people. Took one, he took one meeting, guys. One meeting in Vancouver. One of how many meetings he's going to have. <sighs> Fuck, it scares and, me still, though. And everybody thinks that he's going to sign in Vancouver. And there were rumors out there, eight-year contract, $8 million per year. You hear that one? Yeah. Uh, okay, so where are you on Tyler Myers? I don't want him. We've already said this. Yeah. I don't want him. I'm like, I, he's, he's getting up there. He had one amazing rookie campaign, and he's been living the high life on that campaign ever since. I know he's big. Yeah, and that's a problem right? with the Canucks defense right now. They are not big. Yeah, but I don't fucking want this guy, man. I just don't. I think we can find a, a, a similar to better replacement on a team that is in cap trouble, not in free agency where we overpay. Like, I don't want him at all. Jake Gardner, I, I know the Canucks are going to get a defenseman in this draft or in this free agent class. It's going to happen. Jim Banning said it in his, we're, we're going to target Hey, maybe that's defenseman. a smokescreen. Maybe it's a smokescreen. <laughs> uh, this is another spot where, you know, you could have made a trade. Maybe you could have given that conditional draft pick up for a defenseman instead. They wanna, of, well, they want right? to shore up the right side, right? Yeah. And that's the issue yeah. is that these guys, like, they are, they're, they're kind of at a premium because of the, the way they shoot, which I think is bullshit, man. I think if you're a good enough D-man, you should be able to play both sides, right? Quinn Hughes jumps in the league. Oh, what side are you going to play? He's like, I'm, I can play wherever. I'm Quinn Hughes. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I don't need some guy to be sheltered on the right-hand side like Tyler Myers who gets absolutely burned in his own end all the time. Like, he's a liability in his own end. He can skate. He can make a pass. But, like, I don't, is he that physical? I've no, never seen him be that no, physical. I don't think he is. Right? No. Uh, it's like – This would be a classic yeah. Benning signing. It uh, really would fuck, be. Fuck, I don't want it to it happen, be, it's like It's like Louis Erickson. That's what it would be like. You know the only thing he would do? is he would improve our second unit power play over Edler. We could have Quinn Hughes on one and Myers on two, and Edler can be sitting on the bench where he's deserved to sit as far as power plays are concerned for the last, I don't know how many seasons. Canucks signing Tyler Myers would really, it would fall in line, though, with what Jim Benning is doing. Like, let's all let's go all in on this next year. We got the guys up front. We got some of these stars, the the bangers. Now let's <sighs> let's fill in our... Our, our team with strong players. Okay, okay. Well, right? then here's not worry about the future. For the sake of argument, then say the Canucks were to sign Tyler Myers, 
what would be the term that you'd be okay with and what would be the money that you'd be okay yeah, with? Yeah, well, this guy's... Answer the question. <laughs> uh, well, five years at the most. You'd be okay at the with most. five years at the for most. this guy? At the, well, that's what 29 he's 29 years old? Yeah. Five years at the most and give and maybe five million per year. I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't even do I that. I wouldn't even do that. You wouldn't even do no, that. No, I wouldn't touch it. Yeah. You hate Tyler Myers, though. That's I don't what... hate Tyler Myers. I think he's an okay player, but I think he's cashed in ever since he had that really, really good first season. Yeah. I like I, I, if if that is the price, especially with this Luongo cap hit news that came down today, because for some reason he's not on the long term injured reserve. I guess yeah. What's up with that? Florida probably talked him out of uh, out of that because it would have costed them money. Yeah. Right now he's costing the Canucks three mil per. Right. You know, and all the idiots out there that are saying this is a blessing in disguise because we can't sign Tyler Myers. <laughs> that's not true at all because we still don't have that money to spend on anybody else. Right? So fuck you, Gillis, and your stupid-ass contract. Okay, like, so... Like, fuck, okay. man. All right, let's let's talk about uh, Roberto Luongo. Uh, he tweeted out today that he is taking his talents to South Beach retirement or South Beach retirement Great home. tweet. It's a great tweet. Yeah. Um, it lips off LeBron James at the same time. It's yeah. Fantastic. Did you see the the goalie pads hanging on the yep. wire next to the shoes? Yeah. Uh, the 40-year-old retires with 489 career wins, placing him third all-time behind only Martin Brodeur and Patrick Waugh. Also a two-time gold medalist with, uh, the Van- with the Team Canada in 2010 and 2014. Uh, where does he stand among Canuck goaltenders, Caleb Kirby? You're asking the wrong guy, Art. I I I think the welcome wagon that we put out for that guy when he first came here was just absolutely ridiculous. And I appreciate the work he did here. I really do. But he's not my favorite all-time Vancouver Canuck goaltender. Of course, he's not your favorite, but when you look at the numbers. Well, yeah, he's going to be number one if you look at the numbers and you look at the accomplishments, right? But I feel like that 2010 Canada team could have had a pylon in that. <laughs> and we would have won that gold medal. Yeah, probably. Right? I also, feel like, I I don't know, man. Just going back to those Stanley Cup finals, like, those last two games hurt. And maybe I'm just being a, a, a little bitch about it. But, like, I know he was a fantastic goalie. He was a fantastic goalie. And he was a great dude for the city. And his tweets are great. And everything else is great. He was passionate, he's fiery. He's he was passionate, a goalie. fire, yeah. fiery. He was but a leader. We had that Schneider Luongo debacle on who's going to be our starting goalie, and why did we have that? Right? We had a guy pushing him for his job because he wasn't necessarily playing as well as people thought he he could be playing. I don't like. We were so high on him when we brought him in here that it was almost like it was doomed from the start. Well, that to first end year he had in Vancouver, oh, he's unreal, was incredible. Yeah. I remember losing to the Ducks in the first round of the playoffs. You remember that? Yeah. And that that w- or the second round actually, I think it was, because they had beaten the stars. They, they had beaten that series, the stars. They had the series the against round. the stars. Yeah. Where nobody scored yeah. on either goalie. Yeah, like Marty Turco had like one point three goals against average and lost the series. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, okay, let's talk about the points. I think the fiery points of Luongo. Okay, because here's one. Okay, he was named captain. Yeah, remember that? Yes, that was kind of the start of it. That pissed me off so much. That pissed a lot of people yeah. off, I think. That and that was just like, what was that? To 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 get him to re-sign in Vancouver to a 10-year deal? 
You remember that? Oh, I think that's where it all stands with Luongo. That's when it kind of like it it parted the lines right there. And it, and it was like the second stupid contract of that time where it was like term and like the NHL was already like telling people not to make these contracts right with like Rick DiPietro did it in in New York for his contract. Then Luongo did it. Then it happened with um, what's his name in New Jersey. Ended up defecting to Russia, coming back, oh, plays Kovalchuk, with the Kings. Yeah, Kovalchuk, like all these stupid contracts that then they started penalizing these teams for this shit, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, like why why did they do that? That was to stroke his ego. That's what it was. Give him the captaincy and then have him sign that long-term term contract, which he himself has lamented since then. He had a famous quote. My contract like, <laughs> sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That was a very famous quote from him. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, but why'd you sign it then? And then he flamed. Well, then free money. And so, then yeah. when. I'm not free, but. When John Tortorella decided that Corey Schneider was the better goalie. And then it became a whole goaltending situation there, and we lost well, both of those guys. Well, it became a goaltending situation even before that happened because yeah. that, was, that wasn't that was Tortorella's decision for him yeah. with Schneider. That was like a year, two years before between Luongo and Schneider when Vigneault was still the coach, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, and Schneider was playing absolutely out of his head, so he was challenging Luongo for his goal where he had a few gaffes I wonder, here and there. I wonder why this guy is so polarizing. Because I feel like he's polarizing. Or is he not? Is it just, I think he's it's just a couple of us? I think he's polarizing to many fans in Vancouver. I like the guy, man. I like the guy, but there were so many times where it was like, oh, from in behind the net, oh, through a hole. This is, you know? yeah, that's that's what I always said about him. He he would let in that unexplained goal At during the, the biggest moment. At the time yeah. of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, is he the best goalie to ever play in Vancouver? St- statistically, 100%. Yes. But I think there's a lot of people out there in Vancouver that will still, especially older guys who saw what Kirk McLean did with us in that 94 run, who are still like a, totally attached to this underdog team yeah. and what Kirk McLean did at that time. Yeah. You know, in a shorter span, like Luongo's body of work for, I mean, Kirk McLean played with us since the 80s, but like Luongo's body of work is def- definitely more consistent. In, in a time when there are way more snipers in the NHL, right? But there are certain little things in this Luongo conversation that kind of mar it a bit. I think the captaincy and the long-term contract are the two things for me yeah. that really drew that. And then, of course, the performances in Boston oh, didn't help. That game six, man, it still haunts me. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but that game six was after game five where he stoned Boston. Yeah, that's the true. The only reason they won that game was because of That's him. true, but, like, that game six, it just haunts me, man. It just haunts me. Not only that, but, like, um, okay, so this is how, this is how like, polarizing this guy is a little bit in Vancouver. I mean, today people were talking for, to have his name up in the rafters. Yeah. Would you retire mm. Luongo's number in the rafters? I think the precedent that they have already set on this team Probably yes. You would, yeah, because I, of the precedent they've already. I put him in the ring. You put him in the ring. I put him in the ring next to Alex Burrows. Okay, Alex Burrows. Actually, there that was news this week too. Alex Burrows is getting his, uh, uh, getting uh, his his name put up on the uh, Ring of Honor this season. Yeah, and for good reason, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> there's a whole other side to this Luongo retiring thing, though, as. Due to some clause in that contract and the trade and everything that goes with it, the Canucks are getting a $3 million cap recapture penalty. 
Yeah, when does that go till till 2022? Because yes. isn't that when that contract expires? Yeah. So, yeah, thanks, Gillis. Like, what the fuck, Matt? Whereas the Florida cap recapture penalty will be slightly more than $1 million in yeah. the next three seasons. Where did he retire? Florida, right? Who treated him better? I would say maybe the way he got shipped out of here, probably Florida. The way he left this team was not good, man. No, it wasn't. No. And no. maybe you can thank Tortorella for that as well, not playing him in the Heritage Classic. Yeah, that's where that's that was the end right there. Ah, <sighs> oh, the Luongo saga. Anyway, first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at the numbers and say, yeah, absolutely. And his body of work, man, when he was in Florida there, too, for a couple of years, yeah. he was unreal. Yeah. Like, he was unreal. Yeah. And he kind of st- – he was kind of one of the first guys to really start, like, this bigger goalie craze, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he, everybody – at the time when Luongo was, you know, kind of starting out in Florida, he was a huge goalie. Now he's actually, like, not even that big. But, like, back then, people were like, oh, yeah. Is he one of the greatest goaltenders of all time? Again, he has the accomplishments to back it up. So, yeah. Where would you put him? But like I said. Is I've, he top 10? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely he's top yeah. 10. Like, he's he's ahead of guys like Ed Belfour and Curtis Joseph and guys like that, right? I don't know if he's ahead of Eddie, but, like, he's he, he's close. He's ahead of Cujo, yeah. for sure. I'd, I'd yeah. put him there anyways. Okay. Yeah. There's going to be so many people who are mad at me this week for fucking. <laughs> lipping off. Know, I'm not lipping him off. <laughs> I'm just trying to be real about this. You know? Caleb Kirby, known Luongo no, here. One of the, no, one of the most <laughs> beloved fans. I mean, one of the most beloved players in, in, in our history. Yeah. He is. There's no I'm not going to argue it. it. I'm no, not gonna, I mean, the lose that you hear every time the Canucks played Florida, even when he came back, like they were deafening. Yeah. Uh, we are running out of time a little bit here, but let's, uh, let's get into the new NHL replay rules. So you brought this to my attention because it slipped past me this week. Uh, what are they? What, what have you, what, what do you hear? Yeah. So I, I actually like, I'm kind of down with this and I know like I've, I've said, I hate replay and I still hate replay, but I mean, after like the debacles that went down in the Stanley cup finals this year, that one uh, major penalty for the phantom, like fall that Joe Pavelski did, mm-hmm. um, that the caused NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights to about yeah, get to scored on four times. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, still it's on them, but like, yeah. yeah it's, it's, so now the NHL is giving the referees on the ice to uh, revert a major call. So mm-hmm. like, if mm-hmm. they make a major call on like a headshot or something, they can actually go pull out like an iPad, look at it, and then go, okay, no, this isn't a major. This is actually a minor or whatever. So they can go back and make that call. That's got nothing to do with the situation room in Toronto, which I think is fucking fantastic. Because if they you had they to go, can do it quicker. Yeah, that's my question. Exactly. Because right. if they had to go all the way back there, it'd be just a disaster. Yeah. Um. So I'm totally okay with that rule. And then the other one is um, challenges for just goals. Like, how did something go in? That one pass that Carlson did in that San Jose series that led to a, a game-winning goal. Now that's reviewable if a coach wants to challenge it. And and now with the way that the coaches are the coaches are doing challenges, um. Basically, it's like if a coach misses a challenge, they don't lose they don't lose the ability to make another challenge. But if they miss, if they get their challenge wrong, they get a two minute uh, minor, right? And if they decide to challenge again again in the same game for some reason, and they get it wrong again, they get a four minute. Mm-hmm. So I think that's awesome. Like 
I think that's definitely make- makes it interesting. It's like, do you like because sometimes the call is big enough that it's a goal, right? Do yeah. you want to give up chances for another goal? Like, yeah. How much do you believe in your penalty kill? Exactly. Like, it makes it interesting. Or like, was the puck offside? Right. Like, yeah. if you fuck that up, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know. So I'm I'm totally down with these um, these new changes to review. I think it, like, my opinion, it probably could slow the game down a little bit more. But I think it also adds a little bit of spice with these, um, you know, challenges. It's as better far than as just penalties are concerned. It's better than just giving, you know, the free for all to replay everything. Yeah, right? I just like it's I, not doing that. It's I mean, kind of doing that, but not doing I, that. And 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 like they're not going to be challenging. It's creative. They're it's not going to be challenging penalty calls yeah. for the most part, other than the headshot thing. And I think that's a good way to look at that for these refs to get that right. And then the other the other side of it is like I just I I still want them to get rid of the goaltender interference thing because I think that is still going to be the thing that eats up the most time. Right. Like I don't want to go to Toronto ever. Fuck going to Toronto. Yeah. It doesn't work out for the Canucks when it goes yeah. to Toronto. It seems. Uh, one last thing we're going to get hit here on between the stammers this week: the 2019 uh, Hockey Hall of Fame inductees were announced. Headlining it, Haley Wickenheiser of the six players that were added. Uh, Guy Carboneau, Sergei Zuboff, Vaclav Nadomsky, and uh, in the builders category, uh, Penguins GM Jim Rutherford and Boston College coach Jerry York uh, in there. Uh, what do you think about the players that were added? Yeah, I'm okay with the players. I know yeah. some people had an issue with Guy Carboneau and some people were mad that McGillney uh, wasn't there. Yeah, Alexander McGillney, who it's been 11 times this guy's been passed yeah. over now, so... Uh, he was the biggest snub so far. Yeah. He should go in at some point, right? Don't yeah, you think? I think the Haley Wickenheiser thing is beyond well-deserved. Like, she is Canadian women's hockey, in my opinion. Um, She's the all-time uh, Canadian uh, women's leading scorer with 168 goals and 211 yeah. assists in 379. Uh, or, sorry, 379 points in yeah. 276 games. So, yeah, she's a stud, and she continues to be in the NHL or continues to be around hockey, she's the assistant director of player development for the yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs. She lives and breathes it. Yeah. Um, she's a she's a legend. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. and and I'm okay with Carboneau. Like, he was a legend in Montreal. He played a, a lot of solid seasons. So he only had 663 points in yeah. 1,318 games. Uh, Moki only averaged over a point per game for quite a few years. But you right? can't always go with just points, right? Yeah. Carbono was a very solid defensive player. Yeah. Like, he was an, an insanely good defensive player. So, I'm not saying that McGillney doesn't deserve to be in the NHL Hall of Fame. I think he does. Yeah. You know, and I think we'll probably see it. Uh, Sergei Zuboff, uh, some people had a problem with him. No, being, what? He, deser- he deserves it. Like, he's sure. first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He had 771 points in 1,006. That's more points than Guy Carboneau yeah. as a defenseman. He also won two Stanley Cups, with one with the Rangers and one with the Stars. Like, this guy was Carlson before Carlson yeah. in the dead puck era. That's what he was, right? And Yeah, 100%. And, and the only real problem I have with this entire draft induction is and and I had it with Batman last year. Is like Rutherford is still fucking working. Yeah, I don't understand. Right, Batman was working last year. They put him in for some reason. Like, so this it, is just to add people in the builders category every year. That's all it is. I don't get it. And like Rutherford kind of farmed it in Carolina. Like he left an ugly ass mess when he left uh, out of Carolina. And I'm not saying that that is grounds for him not to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But I'm kind of thinking that with a lot of these general managers that are like sitting at the buffets or whatever every NHL night packing their gullets like maybe they're just putting in the, them in these categories before they croak 
I don't know. That's the only reason I can think about this. Because, like, like I, I don't understand why you wouldn't wait till this guy's tenure is done in the NHL before you make the decision to put him in. Has yeah. he done enough yet? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily think he has. Yeah. I'm not going to cry about it either, though. Builders, whatever. People kind of gloss over that when they're watching the ceremony too anyway. Many, yeah, well, too many. <laughs> there's too many people who get inducted every year in the Hall of Fame anyways. Yeah, so next year is some of the guys that are eligible. Um, Jerome Ginla, Daniel Alfredson, Marion Hosa, and, of course, Mo Gilney, Rod Brendamore. Um, what about Jeremy Roenick? He's, it's been a long time. He hasn't made it. JR, Curtis, yeah. Curtis Joseph, Theo Fleury. Like, these Curtis guys, Joseph is kind of a snub at this point. Yeah. I really think so. I think Cujo should probably be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, those are all the uh, topics I wanted to cover between the Stammers. It's been jam-packed, but we've been able to get through it in a decent time. Yeah, we banged it out. Yeah. Caleb Kirby, where can we find you? At uh, Curbman23 on Twitter. You can email us about all this Luongo stuff that we talked about <laughs> at, between the, the Stammers at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me at Art Aronson on all social medias. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Between the Stammers, uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday. It's uh, June 26th already, uh, and it's uh, just after 6 o'clock now. Okay, thanks. Adios. Yeah.